Greetings, lords and ladies. You're listening to the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. This is a podcast for the thinking bicyclist, the bicycle racer, the bicycle commuter, the fan of cycling, both amateur and professional. Uh, I am your host, Greg. I am broadcasting to you from Boston, Massachusetts, and with me is my co-host, Matteo, from Minneapolis. How you doing, Matteo? What's up? I'm great. Good. Uh, so, we should probably dive right into it. Yeah. Yeah, what are, we, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about a little thing that happened in Richmond, Virginia, a little thing called the World Championships. Yeah, I guess it was a couple weeks ago now, but... Uh... You know, it was, we it take was our only, time. As we well, to... to be fair, I think our listeners should know. I think our li- we should be just completely honest with our listeners. That as we're talking right now, it was just a couple days ago. Yeah, okay. So you're really opening the kimono here. I'm, you know, I just think, like, that whole pay attention, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain thing, like, it didn't work out for the wizard, and it's not going to work for us. All right, fair enough. Yes, you... You're on to us, listeners. It is still September as we speak to you, even though you are listening to this in October. We're traveling through So time. think about that. It is, yes, it's time travel. Isn't that amazing? In fact, in fact, all recorded media is time travel. Just think about that next time you watch, say, a Humphrey Bogart movie. When you're watching Casablanca, just just imagine you are you are seeing you're seeing the actions of Bogey and Ingrid Bergman projected forward through time, 70 years in the future. I dare say, Greg, when you gaze out at the stars in the night sky, you are looking back in time. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't sustain this. (laughs) Uh, Deep thoughts. So okay. look, Richmond. Yeah, Richmond. <laughs> All right, um, were we going to talk about that tonight? I I almost I time trials aren't that exciting, but and, and yet we're going to begin with time trials, aren't we? Well, I think that they're pretty exciting. I think that there's like a bunch of stuff to talk about that's pretty <laughs> you said, interesting. You just said they aren't that exciting, and now you just said they are exciting. Hey, listen, I contain multitudes, man. <laughs> that's you just stole my Twitter bio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right anyway <laughs> yeah okay so what about the time trials sort of what's uh what do you should we just go over the podiums or are there any things you want to talk about in particular so all right so the the first thing is with the the women's winner linda Willemson. i did not entirely expect Willemson to win this i thought that anna vanderbregen pretty much had it locked up yeah. and then there was this whole this whole fuss uh yeah, I'd say with yeah. There's a little bit of chatter about it. A, f- a fair, a fair amount of fuss with Willemson's bike choice being not the bicycle provided by her trade team. Indeed. So that's interesting. Yeah. So um, it, it especially kind of... so I, I I did a little bit of calculations and like Willemson won by gaining two tenths of a second per kilometer, which is you know fairly small amount if if you think about how fast two tenths of a second goes by that's like not a lot of time at all yeah that's not a lot of humphrey bogart coming back to the future for you no 
So it is a game of tens of seconds. The uh, the time trial. So it's like I guess you know even even thinking about like, did she do that uh, because she thought she was riding a faster bike? You know, could that be? Could that could that be what was going on there, or was it the fit issue that she claimed? Yeah, well, maybe we should provide just a little bit more background about what's going. Okay, so yeah. so Linda Vilmson, from what we can tell, was riding not on a Williard, whatever the heck their time trial bike is, but was riding on like a blacked out Trek Speed concept. Is that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this kind of caused a small kerfuffle on the internet. There was one opinion piece saying that she should be fired by her well, team. Well, I mean, like, apparently her team, like, considered firing her when they Indeed. when they saw, not yeah. obviously not her national team, her trade team, uh, United Healthcare. Right. Uh, so so that was a thing. And, and there were kind of various, I don't know, there's various theories as to why she made this choice. Kind of one of the... Uh, defenses of her that came out was saying that you know Willier's uh, smallest time trial bike doesn't fit her right that the stack which, is too high which we I can't... could I could totally see like there are some really short women I don't know how tall uh, right. Willemsen is but like there are some totally short women's and some companies just don't make particularly small bikes right and and, and you and I even not being you know we're short as men go but we're pretty much middle of the you know if you were to put our take our heights and kind of plug them into a distribution of, of heights for women we'd be kind of right in the fat part of the bell curve and we yeah, as long as there weren't trouble. too many dutch or belgian women in that bell curve well sure but <laughs> or yeah but the, just add back in the norwegians um, <laughs> and, and you're fine but but you know we sometimes have trouble getting bikes that fit us right, mm-hmm. and and as you know short people go, there's you know and a and, good, and even a good that quarter is before you start getting into like that's short. before you even start talking about trying to get time trial fit where you're getting like lower and closer. Right. That that said, I mean, so it's it's just impossible. I feel like we just can't verify this one way or no. another. There's people oh. who are looking at who are looking at the kind of, I don't know, images of her on the trek and images for her on her normal bike saying like, oh, her position is just fine, you know, on that bike. And it was just all about the frame being faster. Um, And you don't, I mean, you don't know that. You can't verify that from, you know, looking at, you know, a photo or a screen cap or whatever. Twitter is a poor substitute for a wind tunnel. Yeah, it's a very poor. You just don't know. Like I, mm-hmm. so I don't pretend to know. Like it's it's entirely possible that she does. You know that she can get her fit right. You know, but even if it's like the frame is just plain faster. Uh, I mean, that's sort of a variation on the same issue, really. Which is that you want to get you know as fast as possible, and the the idea basically is that the frame that she is officially sponsored to ride uh, is is not going to be as fast. Mm-hmm. So, as far as you know, should they fire her? Should they not? Da, 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 I don't know. I feel like this is just very weird, and I'm not going to say that. Oh, you know, if um, this was you know a man, that would never be you know in the discussion because I'm not entirely certain that it wouldn't be in the discussion, but. Mm-hmm. But there is this long-standing history of, of in men's professional racing, uh, riders using equipment that is technically not made by their sponsor. Oh, totally. <laughs> and and, and look no further than like any time trial where like 
so many people are on head three front wheels regardless of their wheel sponsor right and absolutely and so this has changed like from from the days when it used to be that uh time trial bikes from what i understand i am not a time trial expert um email matteo uh (laughs) (laughs) from what i understand that there was much greater variability in how fast kind of the major brands of time trial bikes were or whether they even had a time trial model Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was quite common back in the earlier 2000s and um, in, in mid 2000s for teams to be on just a completely different model of bike that they thought was faster and not their sponsored bike. And in these days, sponsor correctness in frame is much more common. So uh, it stands out more, maybe. But but nonetheless, there is this very long history of you know it, it's kind of like one of the fun things about. Uh, so the spring classics, for example, you know, when everybody is riding, uh, Ambrosio nemesis rims, or they were these days, they're all in zips <laughs> up, up until, up until 2011. <laughs> yeah. Up until 2011, everyone had the Ambrosio uh, nemesis rims that they put stickers, you know, with their actual sponsors on, and they were all riding, uh, tubulars that were, you know, I don't know. They were like FMBs or something. <laughs> they're, they're they're clearly FMBs, and someone like takes a marker and writes right specialized specialized or Kenda on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely the Kenda. The Kenda <laughs> FMBs are kind of the classic one. Um, <laughs> so that's you know th- th- that's just something that everyone knows about. It's kind of it's, it's sort of like the well informed fan um, gets that kind of special feeling of being in the know being the it's insider char- yeah, it's that charming thing. for us yeah exactly and like, and like you know you mentioned the early 2000s like and back when um i would you know go back to the 90s when it was pretty common for a sponsor company to have certain production bikes but then for their teams you know the teams were just riding handmade bikes with that company sticker on it oh absolutely so like you know miguel indurain was on uh uh Oh my God, I'm blanking. Uh, Dario Pegoretti. He was on Pegoretti's yeah. for, for a while. Um, you know, whoever his bike sponsor was, like, whatever. Don't send me a bike, send me stickers. Well, yeah, and this is even more so. I mean, and the further you go back, you know, kind of the more common this is. I mean, the 7-Eleven team in the 1980s, very famously sponsored by Huffy, um, mm-hmm. when those bikes were, <laughs> depending on... <laughs> Depending on the year, either Serratas or uh, Land Sharks, I want to say. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's just not this is not uh, an unfamiliar thing. And and I mean, if anything, you know, Villemson's been bitten a little bit by the fact that this is no longer nearly as common. It was around. I mean, it was kind of a Lance thing, actually. That you know, uh, it was around that era that um, there was this major movement. Um, and I don't know exactly what direction it came from for to get pro riders onto, and it, and it has to a lot to do with the rise of carbon fiber. But to get pro riders on production frames that are made by the actual sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and, and I don't know. I I don't really know that I have anything else to say about that other than that it's totally stupid to suggest that she should be fired. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that if Willier is mad about it, then, you know, fair enough. But they should consider making a faster bike. Um, 
I don't think that their time trial frames are considered top notch. You, you and... get the sense you get the sense that maybe Willemson, uh just like recited Brad Pitt's line from Inglorious Bastards, where she's like, mm, "I'll be chewed out. <laughs> I've been chewed out before." Yeah, and <laughs> I've got a gold medal and a rainbow jersey now, so yeah. I think I can take it. You know, and it's it's kind of no one can be too mad about this. Th- this Except is actually the thing that makes me think maybe it is true that you know a. Uh, a men's team would never consider firing a rider for something like this is that you know just is is the value of a rainbow jersey like are are women's teams so strapped and have such low visibility that the value of a rainbow jersey is really so low that, <laughs> that they can consider yeah. firing someone who's wearing one yeah i mean it just i just i don't know it doesn't even saying that it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me so i i don't know i don't know it's it's yeah. all just I think it's a mountain out of a molehill. I think that, you know, for all that it's a big storm on Twitter, like 90% of, you know, the audience, as small as it is, is never going to know. Yeah. Yeah. So just, you know, get over it. Like, if anything, they made it kind of worse by, you know, it just became this big, big blow up. Right. Rather this than... this might maybe falls under like the Barbra Streisand. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or maybe that's not quite it, but there. No, I think it kind Barbra of is. Streisand I think it kind related. of is. So yeah, yeah, listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about with Barbra Streisand, the the, the Barbra Streisand effect, um, just just she, go Google that. She she tried to get her house removed from Google. Yeah. And because then, she didn't want anyone to know where it is, and then never. And then guess what happened? <laughs> when you yeah, when you piss yeah. into the wind like that, the the wind pisses back. <laughs> it doesn't. You're you're feeling very philosophical tonight, Matteo. (laughs) (laughs) What is? Are are you pairing that cider with anything? (laughs) (laughs) With a more philosophical uh, substance. All right. Cider is Um, the philosophical beverage. (laughs) It is. Yes, the drink of philosophers and scientists and poets. (laughs) All right. So so over on the men's side, I think there are couple 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 big stories here. And that's that, like, the trio of Tom Dumoulin, Rowan Dennis, and Tony Martin did not hit the podium. Not, neither of these three hit the podium. Right. Yeah. It was, it was okay, it was uh, v- Vasil Kurienka mm-hmm. in first place. Um, oh, gosh. Who were the, who, what was the rest of the men's podium? Adriano Malori. Oh, yes, Malori. Got, uh, he's, and he's, has he, like, made some... Like not in English, possible statements about going after the hour record. I forget. I don't. I'm not remember. sure. Um, and then remember. Jerome Capel. Yes, that's right. I didn't realize he was that good of a time trialist. Uh, yeah. Well, he's uh, he's pretty good. He's pretty and then good. and then in fourth place, I'm really excited to see this because I think he's a pretty cool rider. Jonathan Castro Viejo. He's got he's got the awesomest time trial position that I've ever seen. Just like super low and. He's he's so far forward on the saddle and then he just like drops his head. He's basically he basically like keeps his head down just completely against his forearms. Yeah. It's amazing. It's so goes pretty fast. It also helps not to have so a mechanical. And it also helps not to like, you know, basically rub your crotch off. Right. So uh, Tony apparently. Martin had a problem. Oh. <laughs> This is this is difficult to talk about. Well, okay, let's start with apparently Tony Martin puts grip tape on his saddle, and we're it's sandpaper. Yeah, it's basically it's like, what it like is on the top of a skateboard deck. Yeah, yeah, basically sandpaper. 
And yeah, it's that sounds helpful for yeah. being perched on a time trial. But so the thing is, is that there's a certain amount of uh, abrasiveness that happens on purpose, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it wore through his chamois. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wore through his skin suit. Mm-hmm. And so there's a photograph of him walking around after the race. And you can see his like bloody steak of an ass hanging out. Yeah. And he like time trialed himself into a sandpapered up ass. Yeah. And that's awful. Well, and not just, I mean, let's, let's, let's be frank. Uh, that, that whole kind of grundle slash taint region. You know it's I mean? hard enough to keep it healthy. I'll without just, sandpapering it. Y- yeah. Well, it's certainly clean now. <laughs> Ugh. I feel so bad for him. Tony Bot, what happened, man? How does... You know, I don't understand how... I I just... I Did they... Did they change up the grit on the grip tape? Like, was it like, you know, t- 240 grit? And like, they were like... Duh, duh. Let's try some uh, 120. Or was it like a different material in the skin suit? Like, I know he's yeah. used it before. I know he's, you well, know, worn out skin suits before. before. Oh, and man, to be, sidebar on that, like, to be pro apparently means being able to just burn through skin suits. <laughs> One time use know, only. Because you know, yeah, that those skin suits, you, with that grip tape on the saddle, you use them once. And you throw them away, even if you don't wear through them. Yup. Yeah. Uh, hashtag pro life. A lot of hashtags lately. All right. So as I as I was talking about this uh, on Facebook, somebody that I kind of know, mostly just on the internet, said something brilliant, which was obviously he's never heard of the hairspray trick. And just referred to, you know, putting a couple layers of hairspray on your time trial or your pursuit saddle in order to uh, Stick to up work a up a nice sticky layer. Yeah. And that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds a little bit less potentially hazardous to one's health. Mm-hmm. But she has an Olympic medal in the team pursuit, so I think she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. That's yeah. a good point. Maybe she should get in touch with Tony Martin. Jillian, yeah. call up Tony. <laughs> Give him just suggest just to suggest an alternative. You know, he doesn't it, the off season is here so he can practice with it a little bit. You know, kind of get used to it. Mhm. Get used to the feeling of of not having uh sandpapery doom uh mere millimeters from his crotch. <laughs> you know, just just waiting to wear through. You know, and it is a long time trial at Worlds, so maybe... 53.5 kilometers. That's a long time trial. It's a lot of time trial. They, they don't they don't usually do them that long anymore in the Grand Tours. Mm-mm. So... No, sir. It's uncommon. Uh, so, okay. So that's so the as trial. as the week progressed in Richmond, I think we were just freaking treated to a bunch of really great races, a bunch well, of really great championship before races. Before we move on to the elite races, I, I do want to make a quick note 
Mm-hmm. We, we should make a quick note of um, quick note. Go for it. The junior women's uh, road race, <sighs> shouldn't we? The future is bright, man. Yeah. Uh, win, win for Chloe Digart. Is that right? Chloe Digart of the USA. Second place to Emma White <laughs> of the USA. After win in the junior women's time trial by Chloe Digart and silver medal to Emma White of the USA. So not bad. So not bad going 1-2 in the time trial and in the road race. So, and I didn't see either. I haven't, I, I, <laughs> I have only seen like highlight packages of the elite races. So sorry, everyone. Matteo's running the show here. Um, but That's you cool. know what? We love Matteo. Um, so so he, can, he can do it. But yeah, future's so, right for the junior women. Anyway. Uh, I would, I would really encourage you to, um, to also watch the U23 men's road race for for one particular story and i guess it's i'm kind of going to spoil it here but it's such a good story and that is that like i I turned it on i put it on kind of in the background of what i was doing with like 120 or 130 kilometers to go pretty long and there was a a group of four in the breakaway and this italian rider davide martinelli is in the break and he is not pulling at all and one or two riders bridge up. The, the break winds up being five riders. Um, and it's it's going along on its merry way. And it's a long time. Martinelli is in the break, not pulling. And then one or two riders get dropped. And it's you know inside 40 kilometers to go. He's been in here for 80 kilometers now, not pulling in the break. <laughs> and the break at its peak had, I, I forget, maybe like two and a half minutes and then it started getting pulled back. It was down to like one and a half minutes to the field. And with 35 kilometers to go, Martinelli decides now is time. And he attacks up Libby Hill, which is the, the twisty, cobbled little kicker that kind of kicks off the finale. The Maybe it's three kilometers to go, and there are, there are three short, spiky climbs inside those final three kilometers in the Richmond course. So Martinelli sucks wheel for 85 kilometers or so, attacks up Libby Hill, and immediately has a mechanical. Uh, Just karma. immediately. He went to the gutter. I think the announcers are speculating he went to the gutter, and he like hit his rear derailleur against the wall. Sure. Because he, he just came in a little bit hot. And that was it. Like That was it for him. That was his race. <laughs> sucking wheel doesn't pay boys and girls <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> so there was that we should see if there's a little highlights package of that it's so good uh, all right okay um what else do we have for on on I, I think that you've got a few stories here worth we do have a few about. stories so so the second story and then so we'll turn our attention to the women's road race um I think, you know, a, a really interesting story for me is Anna Vanderbregen getting second place in the road race in addition to her second place in the time trial, which, come on, that's a phenomenal result, oh, but I'm yeah. sure she's kind of pissed. Uh, she she uh, won La Course this summer in, in that, like, terrible weather when, like, everyone crashed out and she soloed away from the crashing field from, like, 6K to go and won by, like, two seconds. Yeah. I don't think she ever had more than like seven seconds on the field Duh. when she won that race. 
that's just the most yeah the most badass solo win win is is the kind where you never have more than like seven or eight seconds and yeah you just hold so, them off the line. so that's anna vanderbregen like in a nutshell i think and then um th- this race was super exciting there were it, they were sort of you know there, there was never really like the big break of the day in in the women's race but there was a, a finale from i don't know three laps out that was just full of attacks and it was super exciting to see corinne rivera from the united states in a move with like eight or nine riders that got a bunch of time with like two laps to go yeah and i was definitely watching this race thinking like i was thinking a couple things like one, nobody wants this group to be nine riders. Two, everyone better know that Corinne Rivera is going to out-sprint them if they don't do something about it. <laughs> yeah. And But but I was watching this race thinking like, oh my god, Corinne Rivera is going to be the world champion. Which would be pretty amazing. That would be amazing. And then somehow like the Dutch team just slammed this gap closed. In like half a lap, they took like 30 seconds out of the group. Oh. Oh. And 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 that just like set up for a, just a super explosive finale. You know, Rivera's gonna get another shot. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't like know. Next she does year. a lot of maybe. I don't. I don't know. Doha, I mean, yeah. She's got a um, bright future. I don't know how much she's planning to stay. You know, focused on Criterium racing versus European racing, but she's been doing more and more of the European racing, and mm-hmm. she's got the right kind of. Um, you know skill set for it able to do long hard races and then sprint so yeah anyway yeah i i would be surprised if i would be surprised if she's racing the crit circus next year yeah she seems she seems pretty she seems so good that you know she's probably gonna be over in europe Mm -hmm. right uh so super exciting finale Mm-hmm. And then we had Lizzie Armistead, who is also a world champion on the track. So I just love the fact that, like, Lizzie Armistead, road world champion and former track world champion. Last year we had Pauline from Prevost, uh, who was like road cross and some mountain bikey stuff that I don't entirely understand. And then Mariana <laughs> Voss is obviously like the the beacon of multidiscipline world champions. She's got track, cross, and road under yeah. her belt. I just think that's super cool. Yeah. It seems to be a, a pretty common theme uh, in the women's racing is a lot of multidisciplinary champions. Mm-hmm. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. And, but then and... there, are, there are some there are some over on the men too, like Cadell Evans uh, had I think some mountain bike, a mountain bike world championship. Uh, yeah, they're notably, to... of course, the a lot of these women are still, you know, with with the men they tend to transition and kind of. You know, Cadell had a mountain bike phase of his career, and then he had a road mm-hmm. racing phase of his career. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Mariana Voss has a <laughs> just-do-everything phase of her career. <laughs> Pauline ferrand Prevo, and I don't know uh, about Lizzie Armistead. She, well, she kind of got her start on the on the UK track team. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, you know, you build up a big enough engine, and soon enough the, the salaries from the road team start they come calling i mean you know such as they are for the women i suppose but yeah but yeah i bet they're i bet it's not awful on bulls dolman no it's one of the professional teams for sure one of the like the three <laughs> mm-hmm. unfortunately so yeah good race for the women uh megan garnier 
uh, finishing third. Yeah. The so for the U.S. Yeah, and I think that there's a there's a bunch of really, really exciting stuff for for Team USA, and it's not like I'm a big old nationalist, but I, I was kind of touched all weekend long to see Americans in the breaks and just like making sure that they were in the breaks. You know, Taylor Finney was in the break, and then uh, in, the, in the men's race. Tyler Farrar was like in this last lap move that just tore out like 10 excruciating seconds hmm. and it was totally doomed. And I just kind of got the chance. I, I got the, the slight impression that Tyler Farrar was out there uh, flying the colors and it was, it looked excruciating just pulling that gap out, you know, he and uh, Sitsu, I think were together and they were just like both like gritting their teeth, just trying their damnedest just to stay out there. And I got the impression that Farrar was flying the colors, possibly with the knowledge that it's his last world championships and it's on home soil and he just wanted to like ride through the crowds and hear hear the holler. Well and also apparently he said he said later too that, you know, if I come to the base of Libby Hill in the group, like I'm gonna get dropped. And I might as well go for a flyer and hope that we get caught at the top of it. <laughs> You know, or Liberty Hill, or whatever, or whatever one of the hills was that he was really hurting on. Mm -hmm. You know, that essentially he, in addition to you know wanting to fly the colors, you know, he knew that he would not be able to make it up with the group on the last lap. Right. But he figured, hey, if we're out front, we get caught at the top. You know, so it's a tactical move. Totally. I um. I think Sagan. I, I think Sagan. Jeez. I, I I think I think Tyler Farrer is coming for a lot of criticism over the last few years you know as he's really he's he's struggled to win sprints um he you know he he's often i think throughout his career um really tried to become more of a classics rider um mm -hmm. and and really struggled with that and and that has maybe kind of you know and as a result he's been kind of a gone from being a very good sprinter to being a, a, a mediocre to okay well to, uh, still a good sprinter but not a winning sprinter you know it, whereas while still not making much of a dent on the classics but you know i sympathize with that I, he's like he's a really good bike racer yeah uh, and and a really really good sprinter but i mean man he's been sprinting in an era of mark cavendish and um marcel kittel and and just you know these ridiculous super sprinter phenoms um so I, I think that he gets some stick for all the fourth places that is kind of undeserved i i think that he's a yeah i think that he's a he's a gutsy racer who uh kind of got got close enough to stardom that he was criticized for not achieving it yeah instead of instead of, of instead of lauded for what he did achieve that's a good and, way of putting it. And and I also think as I as I was watching him on this move, I was thinking like five years ago on this course, Tyler Farrar is a threat for the win. Mm, or like a threat for the podium. And I was thinking yeah, specifically I, I was thinking specifically of the stage of the Vuelta in two thousand ten. Uh, stage nineteen of the twenty ten Vuelta that Philippe Gilbert won. And it was one of those like twisty, tricky uphill finishes where like if, if my memory is correct, like there were lead out trains trying to keep it together for sprinters and then some attacks just kind of like destroyed them. And yeah. Gilbert won and it was Ferrar who won uh, or who, who finished second right behind him. 
And I'm looking over like the, the list of the top 10 on that stage and like Posada was in third, uh, Vincenzo Nibali was in sixth and he's always, you know, been pretty capable in these like little power climbs and, you know, a, a sort of sprinty climber, you know, so, so, so like a really curious mix of riders that suggests this classics-esque finish. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, he, and he does have that mix, you know, yeah. of fast turn of speed and, you know, a, a big engine. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, uh, unfortunately, you know, the, the, the engine stuff was kind of maybe not at the level that it needed to be for, you know, the European classics. No, you know, he's, and that's true. And, and he's also now, you know, not, he's on, he's on the other side of the peak of his career but i yeah. i was touched to see him out there absolutely i i don't know and as you say he did you know like what he's achieved is not uh is really impressive mm-hmm. you know peaking totally. at the stage when in the tour de france but but there was you know uh, a year in the giro when he was almost invincible mm-hmm. you know like pretty good uh, pretty good sprinter so yeah pretty, glad to pretty see good him bike racer yeah Especially for someone who came up through, like, the American crit scene, more or less. Yeah. Like, come on! Yeah. He, like, and also, like, he raced, you know, for one year, two years, several years. The Burnaby four-day over uh, Christmas and New Year's. Um, and, and, you know, like, and like he races down-home bike races. Yeah. And, and, and in a kind of cycling culture, both in, like, in terms of what is... I don't know, sort of what is valued by fans, but also what is valued by kind of people high up in sort of the whole national team structure and USA cycling team structure. A, a cycling culture that really doesn't value sprinting very much, um, that really sees it as a second tier kind of specialization. Mm-hmm. You know, US, US both cycling culture and, and the actual kind of organization of USA cycling is is so focused on stage races um to the point of kind of obsession that's just my opinion but yeah in terms of like who what is they definitely the u.s think that, like supports and tries to throw throw right, to europe right and, and and throw support to like it's yeah. it's very much like the kind of tour de france style riders that and and there's not it's i think it's i think it is very difficult in or has been anyway in our system in our development system for riders who don't fit that mold and yeah we've got george hincapie and whatever but um you know nonetheless you know this the support yeah for it, it just wasn't it, just people don't get as excited about it and there's not as much mm-hmm. kind of institutional knowledge about how to develop yeah um, riders for other abilities it's yeah, I mean stage races are easy. You you know, look for someone with a big threshold and then put them on a diet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's the <laughs> we have a we both have opinions about stage races that I think are relatively unpopular. <laughs> 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 because while, you know, there is also the element of um, you know, being able to recover day to day and and all that, you know, sort of intangibles around it but yes i i I'd, I'd say that i think we're on record as saying that stage races are um oversold as being really complicated <laughs> and it's at least it's it's not so much not. that i hate that i hate stage races but like 
we look at a rider like TJ Van Garderen, who was touted for the tour and he was, you know, uh, riding his way into the podium before his body stopped working this year. Um, and, and you look at like his actual Palmares and they're slim. Yeah. He won California. Yeah. He's won USA pro cycling challenge twice. He won yeah. the white Jersey at the tour a few years ago. And like, that's, that's kind of it. And yes, obviously he can survive going up mountains for about two, two and a half weeks. And obviously he's really skinny, but like winning bike races, it turns out, I think is a lot more complicated than that. And yeah, I think sometimes USAC tries to like throw a bunch of power to weight ratios at the wall and they see what sticks. Yeah, but you know, you, and you have a guy in in the thing about Tyler is yeah, he was over in Europe winning bike races, mm-hmm. like winning a lot of bike races and and winning you know for all that you know he wanted to take a crack at some of the the kind of traditional spring classics and and kind of didn't really have uh ju- just the right makeup for that you know he he won some respectable races with uh you know he he ran he won um is it Skelda? Skelda Price, yeah. Skelda Price, yeah, like a couple years running. And um, And Vattenfall's Classics, I think. Yeah, Vattenfall's Classic. I think he might be the only... Did he win a stage in the Vuelta ever? Uh, Yeah, several. So then he'd be officially the only... It might be the Giro, because I was thinking that it used to be that the only American who had won stages in all three Grand Tours was uh, uh, Dave Zabriskie. No, (laughs) Tyler's got them all. Tyler's got him all, and he's the only one now because uh, Zabriskie's mm-hmm. no longer count. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, he was over there winning races, and mm-hmm. you know that's nothing against TJ, but um, TJ has not won as many races. All yeah. right. So, and then, and then Tyler also has like, you know, fifth at Flanders, third at the Hetnice Blad, you know. Yeah, and when you say third you know, at, fifth at Flanders, again. like oh, he didn't Kern, win Brussels, Flanders. Like, fifth at Flanders is really hard to do yeah dwarves dwarves lander in like yeah that's 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 some shit (laughs) yeah that's uh it's nothing to sneeze at yeah okay uh maybe we should move this discussion along i mean and then we come to peter sagan right right spoiler alert uh peter sagan world champion (laughs) and i there there are people out there who say that he's not that good (laughs) these people are crazy I can't believe that I ever go on the internet because <laughs> you should you really know it. better than to go on the internet, Matteo. <sighs> Nothing good ever happens on the internet. I've just I've been on a couple of the forums and I I get not liking people, you know, not liking people's bike racers, or also saying that like, oh, you know, for someone who's touted as like the next, you know, winner of all the monuments, he hasn't won any yet. Like <laughs> that's all fair criticism, but he's also gotten like. He's, like, gotten a top five in, like, every classic for the past five years or something like that. I'm sure it's not quite like that, but, you know, yes, he has a hard time winning, but he's extremely prolific and he's always threatening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sagan is is just... Yeah. It is... is, I mean, it's not really, like, the situation with um, Tyler Farah, but it kind of is in the sense that, you know, he is very very much criticized for not quite achieving the greatness that you know people perceive he could and Mm -hmm. and kind of forgetting the kind of the magnitude of the accomplishments he does have 
you know, and, and especially given that he's so marked out at this point. And I, you know, I remember, you know, when he was a little bit newer on the scene and maybe, oh gosh, 2011. And he really, you know, he wasn't, he didn't quite have enough of a motor at that point to go, you know, he wasn't developed quite to the point that he could totally challenge for like the monument classics. But for your 200 kilometer, your was it Dwarfsdorf Landerin he won with? People are saying, oh, he sprints. He's a sprinter. And then he goes and wins this this um, semi-classic out of a late break with an attack in the last I, five kilometers. I think that was Gent Wevelgem in 2013. Oh, maybe it was Gent Wevelgem, yeah. Like, which is... He just, you know, he's shown... He's one of the, you know, again, a rider who... who has been kind of painted into this box of like, Oh, he does this kind of thing, but then he goes and does goes and wins a different way. Yeah. And it's also like, Oh, he's criticized for not winning field sprints in the tour de France. (laughs) He is not a field sprinter. No. The fact that he's there and is willing to do that is like out of control. People get confused too. Cause you know, he goes to say the tour of California and cleans up in the field sprints there. And you know, but that, that just tells you something about the quality of the field in the tour of California. Mm-hmm. Like to just, you know, to be completely frank, like it's just not the tour of California is, is not a particularly competitive race. Um, like, sorry, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not a top tier race. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, he can go and and, and then you know win the overall there, for example. Yeah, and then the, the other the other thing is that you know Which obviously is not to say that's unimpressive. Obviously, yeah. it's impressive, but you know it just means the best stage racers are not there. The other thing about him is that obviously he has a, a ton of fun and does things that other people don't do. Yeah, you know, like the antics, and that rubs some people the wrong way. But the fact that you know he got off his bike. And he went and he just like turned around and started like high-fiving other riders as they were coming across the line. Yeah. And he like he threw his helmet and his glasses and his gloves. I want to see the video of that. I've only seen the photo. I, I, I do love the It's just a great photo. gesture. Yeah. Well, it's just I love, such a good gesture. Yeah. Oh, well, I just love the photo of he's, you know, he's turned around, he's high-fiving guys and, you know, he's got his hand up and, and Tom Bonin is strolling toward him um, with his hand up with just like the biggest shitting grin on his face like mm-hmm. he like 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 tom freaking bonin is so excited for peter sock like like he's like yeah dude you rock like truck going to give him a high five yeah like that's pretty cool and i think it also says something about his you know his his uh, uh how he's thought of in the peloton too yeah. Like there's definitely this thing like people are like, Oh, he's such a jackass and, and you know, he's such a showboater and all that and then you know, no class and all that. But he's popular with his competitors. Yeah. Um, they like him for the most part. So that kind of tells you something, I think, about his his personality. Like that he's not that he's mostly I'm sure there are people who don't like him, you know, but that he's not perceived as you know, being this I don't know, just uh, egotistical jerk, right? The, so the thing you know, when when thinking about Sagan, also the thing that I come back to is, uh, you know, two years ago when he pinched a podium host on the yeah. podium of the Tour of Flanders, and like, obviously, you know, that sticks in my craw as a foul thing. Mm-hmm. And but the other thing that I recall is that you know he made an apology video the next day. 
and he mentioned her by name and he seemed contrite and and that was that was good but you know he he addressed it to her he mentioned her name and that was something that a lot of the news coverage didn't bother to do yeah and i so you know i felt that it was genuine yeah and it yeah. you know definitely doesn't doesn't excuse what he did but like i don't know i just i just think that like he seems like a a good dude who has fun respected by his competitors yeah or at least liked you know yeah yeah and, maybe and, maybe 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 those who don't respect the antics still like the guy sure i mean that's that's certainly you know the, i don't i don't know the details of, of all the person interpersonal relationships in the peloton i mean you know not i'm not going to go off onto the rattle but i always do kind of think it's sort of fascinating that you have in the pro ranks all these riders who are constantly riding against each other it's it's sort of the same cast of characters uh, at these races and, and I, yeah. I sort of wonder about the just the social dynamics of that it's it's sort of interesting because even at my uh amateur racers there's a bunch of us you know there's a bunch of us who are all the same races but there's also there's like almost always like a bunch of people who it's like i don't know this person mm-hmm. I don't know. so that's interesting but uh, anyway yeah i think that he's a, i mean he's clearly a deserving champion and he's been so close to so many big results this year and, and if anything like his form has been so good and he's been so <laughs> unable to bluff about yeah. that you know and he's and so, so unable and to so restrain good for himself. so long yeah and he's been so good for so long and he's well he's been so unable to restrain himself from making it obvious how strong he is mm-hmm. and kind of marking himself out and this was a race in which he didn't do anything until he attacked with yeah. like what two and a half kilometers to go mm-hmm. <laughs> so and, and you know just one in such a stylish fashion it was actually a style kind of not unlike um Kwiatkowski's win last year uh i disagree you think so Explain. well i mean Kwiatkowski did did slip away but then he also you know bridged up to a break and then rode through them and and held well it was it was kind of similar in that it was you know a single attack that wound up holding off a, a reduced sprint i mean i guess i meant in the sense that you know he he relied partly on you know strength and and partly on you know his bike handling skills oh yeah to open that's, up that's legit they definitely yeah. had the same tuck yeah where where go away you know uh, i think that kwiatkowski actually attacked on the descent though which was super baller mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of slid away and went through that terrifying series of uh s turns over like a yeah. dam or whatever at eight thousand miles per hour whereas uh um sagan attacked uh with von avermeet on uh, at the top of a climb and, and went over the top just ahead and then you know did his super tuck and and went through this 90 degree left turn just absolutely barrier to barrier <laughs> so good he is <laughs> so good that's another thing that i like is that he clearly you know he's not just a, a rider who's thinking about watts he's thinking about super tucks and cornering really hard and all this stuff to go faster yeah yeah i mean he's got such a complete a complete set of skills and and, yeah. and uses them and you know a lot of the time you know, this is one of the things I wouldn't say that I dislike about road racing, but you know, it's just one of the things about road racing is that it's so dominated by power. 
you know, in, in other disciplines that is still, it's still, you know, for any discipline of cycling, I think that's still the predominant, um, factor in the result, but in something, you know, like cyclocross or mountain biking, um, you know, you have much larger elements of skill involved. Uh, but, and it's nice to see a rider who can employ those skills in road racing as well. Totally agree. Where it's, you know, it's, it's harder to do. It's harder to make a separation based just on skill. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Nope. All right. No, it's, it's, it's getting about that time for me. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's a show. So that's a show. A a deserving and uh, an exciting world championships and one that I think. Would you say that uh, we put on a good show in the U.S.? I think I think that I think that we put on a good show in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I guess I guess I do have one more thing to say, which is that there was a lot of there was a lot of criticism of the course leading up to the event, wasn't there? Yeah, it, it, I think a lot of people assumed that it would not be selective at all. Yeah, a lot of people said this is not going to be exciting. It's just going to be one big dull bunch sprint it's going to be super controlled and um you know you'll just watch guys ride in a big pack for 200 and you know 61 kilometers and then sprint for 500 meters uh and that'll be it and that did not turn out to be how Mm -hmm. any of these races went yeah i think they were very exciting yeah so that's that's good And, and i would i kind of beg to differ um, as as I think we might have already gotten at the the contention that a bunch sprint is just boring anyway, but nonetheless, it can certainly be boring for the first two hundred fifty meters uh, kilometers. Kilometers, yeah, <laughs> kilometers. <laughs> it certainly can, yes. But it seems like there was yeah. a lot of exciting racing. I, I'll, I'm going to have to try and catch more extensive replays. All right, Maddie, where can people get in touch with you? Holler at me on the Twitter at underscore Matteo. Let's talk. Yeah. How about you? Uh, well, you can also get to me on Twitter at Grolby. Talk to me too. The show, uh, kind of our corporate identity, has a Twitter account as well at <laughs> underscore WHBP. You can email us at honestbikeprogram at gmail.com. Tell us if you think Sagan actually is a classless jerk or if you think Linda Willemson should be fired or whatever. Uh, and you could also, and we would appreciate you doing this, uh, leave us a review on iTunes, uh, give us a rating that, uh, helps us out. It gets more people to be exposed to our, frankly, our magnificence <laughs> and our insight. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Good night. Later. Later.